again after hours. One hour in the drain. Two more to go. As we carry through the night. Some breaking news out of the NBA for those of you that are fans of it like myself. LeBron James is feared to be out several weeks with a right foot injury. Sources told Woj of ESPN he is undergoing further testing and conversations to lean the full extent or to learn the full extent of the injury. Again, this is breaking news from Adrian Wojnarowski of the NBA. I figured if it's at least the biggest name in the sport, you might as well report on it, right? I know a lot of you around here are like, please do not tell me anything about the NBA. But again, I enjoy it. So welcome to After Hours. Uh, Dusty Likens with you, Blake with you as well. Um, in fact, LeBron's IG story is just his leg and a sock, and it just says FKN socks, which I think you know what that stands for. And then a lot of emojis. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight emojis. Wow. Good for him. Stay young. He's got the youth in the family to, to kind of keep him educated on the on the emoji game. About to have a kid in the NBA in a short uh, short few months. Uh, did you see the guy propose to his girlfriend at the NBA game? Mavericks game when Patrick Mahomes was there? I do not believe I did. Okay. He proposed, had the mascots have a sign that says, Catherine, will you marry me? Catherine with a C. And then it said, Catherine, will you marry me? Love Bennett. She grasped, went up to him, said something to his ear, and then she headed out. Can't be good. Wait, wait, wait. How long ago was this? Last night. Maybe I, maybe I did see this because I saw something similar, but it could have been a different game. Catherine, will you marry me? Bennett, love you. Down on one knee, popped open the box, hands over the mouth from her. She walks over, says something to his ear. She heads up the stairs, never to be seen again. Something tells me she didn't say yes. Poor Bennett, man. To be publicly humiliated like that? Mm-hmm. Somebody asked... What song is sampled at the beginning of the drive, or is it just a filler? I've been dying to know. That song is a filler, and it's called Penetrate. In case you were wondering, that's just, that's that's the truth. Start the season in April, end it in July. Have the playoffs in August before football season. I want more games. I watch every Royals game every year. I love it. You're the 1%. You're not even a one, you're a half percent. Trust me, I love baseball. Number one most focused sport is baseball. You can ask Vern about how much I love baseball. You can ask Jay Binkley how much I love baseball. I can give you my dad's number. You call my dad. He'll tell you. I love baseball. Baseball's too long. It's too long of a season. It's way too long. And it, it's, not, it's not fun how they're, where they're starting it. It's like 162 games in 188 days. Play 100 in 140 days. Play double headers on Saturday. Start the season in mid to late April. Finish it in August. Have your off season in the, the end of August and the earliest September. And guess what? Baseball ends, football begins. You remember when you played Little League sports? And you had picture day for basketball? And yet football was just getting ready to end? And you're like, why are we doing pictures in October? Oh, yeah. We start playing basketball next week. Enough. Interesting conversation was had on Twitter. I think it was yesterday. And it was uh, 
from MLF football. They had a conversation that says the top 30 NFL tight ends of all time. I'm not going to read you all 30. That would be lame. Number one is Rob Gronkowski. Number two, Travis Kelsey. Number three, Tony Gonzalez. Number four, Shannon Sharp. Number five, Antonio Gates. Runner up outside the top five, Jason Witten at six. Agree? Disagree? We can disagree. We can lean towards disagree tonight. Because I do feel that TK87 is the best tight end that we've ever seen. I think that Rob Gronkowski could be considered one of the more dominating of his era for the four years that he was one of the most dominating tight ends. He was great. And for a couple years, he was the best tight end in the league. 100%. Travis Kelsey, though, has 7,000-yard seasons. And Beakley and I were kind of going back and forth with his numbers. This year, he had 1,300. Nobody else on the team at 1,000. Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey have developed a chemistry that is unmatched. He plays tight end. Patrick Mahomes still put up numbers with Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey, 100 receptions almost every season. Travis Kelsey has damn near led the NFL twice in receiving yards. Receiving yards. Leading the NFL. I don't know how more simple I can put that for you. Travis Kelsey also has two Super Bowls. I believe, without looking it up, Gronk has three. I believe he won two with New England, one with Tampa Bay. Could be wrong. But I think he has three. He might have four. Because what, Brady's got seven? He has four. Okay, Gronk has four rings. Nice work, Blake. Gronk also had a couple years, and I'm not trying to take anything off of his resume because he was great, but Gronk had a couple of years where he had a companion in the late Aaron Hernandez, which made their jobs maybe a little bit easier, whereas you could say Travis Kelsey had Tyreek Hill. But I do believe that those are the two greatest tight ends to ever play the sport. But I think Travis Kelsey, after the time, with two rings at least. Now, if he wins another one, I think you could slam dunk it. But with Travis Kelsey missing his entire rookie year due to an injury, and then kind of getting into his own in 7,000 straight years, 7, 1,000 straight years, I should say it a little bit more clear, is enough. Travis Kelsey's numbers in the postseason, where he trails only people like Jerry Rice, the greatest receiver that some would say ever. I would listen to Randy Moss, but a lot of people and experts and guys that have a very strong opinion on the matter would say that Jerry Rice is probably the best to ever do it. And what Travis Kelsey's been able to do at the position and elevate the position to where it's at, in fact, one of the numbers that I love this year was from Field Yates in a fantasy aspect, is that the difference between tight end one and tight end two in fantasy was the same difference in points from QB one to QB five. Meaning that the drop off in points from one to two was the same drop off in points from one to five and a quarterback 
compared to tight end in fantasy numbers and full point PPR. Travis Kelsey dominates his position more than anyone has ever dominated that position. That gets a vote for best of all time. Travis Kelsey has done things at his position that nobody has done in his position multiple times. The thousand yard seasons, Greg Olson had three. That was cute back in the day. Travis Kelsey now has seven. Travis Kelsey leading his team in receiving yards three times in his career as a tight end. That's another point. And Travis Kelsey now a two-time champion and head of his position and has been probably for at least a three solid year run is enough for me at the end of the day to understand that he is in fact the best at what he has done at that position. Oh, and by the way, happy birthday, Tony Gonzalez. You're now considered the second best tight end in chiefs history. Unless somebody wants to put Jason Dunn up there, which great hair. Um, But it is kind of interesting that the Chiefs will just consistently be following up the entire time, the New England Patriots. Who's the best quarterback ever? Is it Brady? Is it Mahomes? Who's the best coach of all time? Is it Belichick? Is it Reed? Who's the best tight end of all time? Is it Gronk? Is it Kelsey? Welcome to the rest. Well, welcome to the next 10 years of your life. Chiefs fans. I think what makes this whole debacle so interesting is the fact that people want to say that Gronkowski is the best, Mm -hmm. but then they use this counter argument that, well, look at Travis. He has Patrick Mahomes, but Gronkowski had what is considered unarguably the greatest quarterback of all time. So how can you say he's got Patrick Mahomes when Tom Brady was Gronkowski's quarterback? Yeah. When people tell you that, just laugh and then say, well, what's your other, what's your other stat? Cause you can do that. Because a lot of times people will have that in their holster. It just depends on when you fire your greatest ammunition. Because that would be your counter argument. If somebody comes up to you and says, well, Kelsey's numbers really peaked once Mahomes got there. Fair. Did Gronk help Brady's numbers? Did Brady help Gronk's numbers? More than likely, it was Brady that helped Gronk's numbers because Brady was the game manager, the guy that was considered the greatest at the time and now considered the greatest ever to it. So debunk that argument right away. And they like to call Travis Kelsey a receiver, except Gronk, but he also played alongside Tyreek. Really, Tom Brady didn't have anybody else to throw to. Yeah, you could say Edelman. Yeah, you could say uh, uh, um, Wes Welker, maybe a few years. But he didn't really have a dominant wide receiver. And it was Gronkowski. That was his go-to. It's the same argument. It's just the rest of your life as a sports fan that lives in this town in Kansas City. It'll be Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Bill Belichick, Andy Reid, Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey. On the other side, Big 12 sports, they look good all year long. SEC, Mizzou, you get a little bit of love. We got March coming up. We got the end of the regular season, whether you want to believe it or not. We got a conversation to be had about all three local teams moving forward and what they could be looking like in the big dance here on After Hours on 610 Sports Radio. Made it to uh, Barstool, Northwest Missouri State tonight. So we're, we're making our way up. It'll be part of our, uh, well, it won't be. We'll do our 8 o'clock question at 8 o'clock, obviously. But we did a, we did a picture um, earlier tonight of which is the, the better flavor of Starburst, red, yellow, pink, or orange. I'm a big orange guy. 
Um, a lot of people love the pink Starburst. More orange support than I've seen. A lot of people saying red is trash. So there's that. Um, I think I rank them orange, pink, red, yellow. And I'm a big lemon guy. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with lemon. That's all I got to say about the Starburst. Somebody said to smash the red and the yellow together, and I'll never eat another Starburst the same. Did you ever do the uh, the challenge to see if you could get the Starburst out from the wrapper itself? I'm afraid if I did, I might not be doing sports radio. Because that's how I would do OnlyFans. It's just one-minute wrappers. Just one-minute wrappers and cherry stems yep. into a knot. Yep. Pretty successful. I'm not against the combination of two flavors. I might have to try the old. And I saw the bag. This is proof. And I do have a red and a yellow. So maybe I'll maybe I'll get a little palm sweaty. Get him a little Starburst ASMR action there. You know what I mean? You can't do this if if carpal tunnel starts kicking in, which could happen for me sooner than later. Um Pink by a mile. See, pink's just, you know, people just love it. My sister just texted me. She said yellow's the best. Feel free to, to uh, you know, crush her on that. From the 816, well, I guess it's obvious. I don't follow baseball. I thought the World Series was October. Who the hell wants to watch baseball in stocking caps, gloves, and heavy jacket? Not me. I did that last year. I wore three layers on my upper body to go watch opening day. It was terrible. Literally, it was terrible. That's why the crowd was small or smaller. I mean, normally it doesn't matter how much your team sucks. Everyone goes to opening day. That's just kind of been like a, a, a thing. You know, you just have, you'd have, you know, Sarah, who you don't even talk to at work. You going to opening day tomorrow? You're going? That's how baseball used to be. Just saying. We'll get into that a little bit later because that was kind of a fun topic to think about how we could fix baseball and the and the seriousness around it. Coming up right now, though, kind of want to talk a little bit of college basketball. Uh, for those of you that listened to me this past weekend, thank you. Uh, I probably won you a little bit of money. I told you to take all the local teams on a parlay on the money line. All local teams won. If you took all the teams on the spread, you lost. KU didn't cover the nine at home against West Virginia. But that doesn't matter because what matters is I think there is a possibility that all local teams combined will be at least a three seed. Bill Self and the Kansas Jayhawks trying to play locally. I think they probably will. They've got a matchup tomorrow night. They should win. And then it's Texas on Saturday. Could be for the Big 12 outright title against Texas on Saturday. But needless to say, we have two games left, and then we have a Big 12 tournament slash SEC tournament slash conference tournaments all the way around the globe, and then the big dance starts. Am I wrong to think that KU could possibly be the number one overall seed, most likely will be the number one overall seed, if they do, in fact, win the Big 12? They just have quadrant one wins more than anybody else. It's disgusting. And... 
I do believe that they would get their first two rounds in Des Moines. And then if they win that, you'd play the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight in Kansas City, Missouri, right at the T-Mobile Center. And Bill Self and the Kansas Jayhawks do exactly what the Kansas City Chiefs try to do and what Travis Kelsey told the entire locker room to do before he even did it. Go in, too, and let them know you're for real. But there is a possibility, a strong possibility, that the Kansas Jayhawks are the number one overall seed in the tournament. I'm dead serious. I'm not kidding. When it comes to Mizzou, I think there is a very, very good possibility that Missouri will be a three to a four-seeded team in the tournament. Missouri blew Georgia out Saturday on the road. I know Georgia is not good at fo- at basketball. Extremely good at football. But it was a road conference game in which you did very well in handling the other team and blowing them out. Facts. You did it. You're probably a top three to four team in the SEC. Meaning that you ought to get to the next to the you know final four in the conference. Could and should. Alabama's good. Tennessee's good. We'll see what these kids from Kentucky do once the season starts to get a little bit more serious, which we've seen in the past. That can't happen. Arkansas's good. They're not better than you. But I think Missouri could make it to the final weekend in the SEC tournament. I think that would also put Missouri as a three or four seed. And you could call me high. That's fine. They say it all the time. Missouri fans doubt themselves. Have a little belief in your team because here's a secret that's not really that big of a secret. Missouri lives and dies by the three-point field goal. If they get hot in the tournament and their confidence is on fire, they'll make a lot of teams frustrated. Nick Honor can bulldog his way as the point guard. And here's the other thing. If you could, I would. Anytime corner three by Nick Honor for Missouri. Once a game, if not twice. But Missouri has their big man, their leader in Kobe Brown, who I think could be one of the better power forwards in the country if he stays out of foul trouble and is rolling. Which you could be like, well, that's a lot to say at once about a guy. But trust me, they have a good combination with Hodge and Honor and, and Kobe Brown and these guys that really just know how to play this system that Denny Gates is running. And again, if you add on the attribute that they have, which is, being a hot three-point team, that is something that in the March tournament can absolutely turn into jet fuel. And before you know it, you're blinking and you're going, oh, my God. Missouri's in the second weekend of the tournament with a chance to go to the Elite Eight. You're damn right. And Missouri fans need to keep in mind as well, they've done all this basically without one of their best players or, or hypothetically best yeah. players in Isaiah Mosley. Yeah, who came back and then now he's kind of, it's almost like load management. Um, because the conversation with Dennis Gates was like, well, when he's ready, he's ready. And we'll play him. And then he played and he was pretty good. But yeah, he put in Mosley and Hodge and and uh and Honor and Kobe Brown. And I forget who they're the point guard fifty five. He's kind of irrelevant with their offense. Yeah, he's very good with the ball, but can't score. There's Sean Hodge. Yeah. Hodge is good. Even Diara can play center and is progressively getting better the more minutes he's getting to play. And the confidence builds with him and and, and again. If you can just give Kobe Brown a few minutes, keep him out of foul trouble, be the reigning three team that they can be, Missouri can be dangerous. And Missouri could be a three team. Believe it or not, I do believe Missouri could be a three team. Last but not least is K-State, who I also believe could get to a three-seeded rank. 
I really do believe that. Three to four. They're in the same category as Missouri. They're a top four team in their conference. Now, the Big 12, a little bit better of a conference. Missouri, blown out by Kansas. K-State, split the season with Kansas. And I think that if you look at K-State and what they can do in the Big 12 tournament, they could be there in the final weekends. Right? They could be there with Texas, Kansas, K-State, Baylor. That's probably on paper what everyone would think would be the, the final four teams. Right? KU gets the one seed, Texas the two seed, K-State the three seed, Baylor the four seed. Let's go have us a little bit of fun in March. But when you look at it from a overall standpoint for the March Madness tournament, I think that if you do look at it from a serious note at this point in the season, KU could be the number one overall team. If they win the Big 12, again, it, it's a must-be-nice type of thing. If they win the Big 12, playing in that tournament is redundant. They don't need to do it. They prove what they needed to do. They'll have the first you know, day off. They'll play somebody that they shouldn't be playing and then move on. But very important to see two teams outside of Kansas that are local as well with Missouri and K-State changing regimes, getting a new head coach, bringing in players, and the no, the no, the don't have to miss a year with transfers. Fantastic. This is why you don't get set back two to three years. You just get everybody in and start playing basketball and play your scheme. And it works. No more, well, his guys are coming in next year, then they'll be decent. No, no, no. Now everybody gets to play, and now it's fun. And I do believe that. KU overall number one, Mizzou, K-State, three seeds. On the other side, Buffalo's building a stadium. means two things. One, there's no dome, so they start, they're going to have to eventually play in snow games. And two, what it means for the stadium that you go to here in Kansas City in the near future. Dusty Likens, Blake with you as well, here on 610 Sports Radio. draft coverage all day every day until you go to union station by the way went there yesterday love that place i was there yesterday as well actually i can't believe it didn't run into you nice yeah i was down there and then went to uh, lydia's italian food love it fantastic man man was it good i had a wild boar ravioli a seafood Alfredo with like a garlic sauce. Still got some in there in the fridge. Might be a late night hit up. Got me salivating back here, man. That's I'm right, too hungry. Man. That's what I'm trying to do, man. I did try the uh, the combination of the yellow and the uh, and the cherry Starburst. Not a fan. But if you want some draft coverage and you want all the answers, there's three guys that work at this industry or in this industry, at this building. Episode one is now up on the NFL Draft Podcast on the Odyssey page. Nick Schroot, that's what I call him, but it's Nick Schroot. Three guys in a garage, which is Jay Binkley and Chris Unicero. They're doing it uh, for you. And you know that Jay Binkley's got it spearheaded, but it is the Character Concerns Podcast all year draft. The graphic is fantastic. Um, It looks like a Mike Judge graphic. Um. But again, three guys that love um, the draft, three guys that love 
diving into football in the future. And if you if you're into that sort of thing and you like those guys, they're they are there for you, man. Um, through in and throughout. Also, it looks like Josh Klingler is going to coach tennis. Um, there you go. Somebody says, might take the lady out downtown, just got off work, best recommendation. I'm assuming downtown Kansas City is what your, uh, take her to either Anton's or Anthony's. One's a steakhouse, one's an Italian place. Another good suggestion for that, especially if it's an anniversary, because you will spend a pretty penny, is Ilazia. Mm. There you go. We'll make the homemade mozzarella right in front of you at the table. There it is. Um, Rock Hill Grill's good, too. They make a good dirty martini. At least, in my opinion, they did. Big dirty martini guy. Regular olives or blue cheese? Regular. I don't like the, I don't like the drink to be foggy. At least in my my personal opinion. Now, if you gave me blue cheese olives, I would ask them on the side, but then I feel like I'm being, you know, egregious with requests, and I don't want to be that guy. But I do love blue cheese stuffed olives. In fact, uh, Jack Sack Barbecue does a Bloody Mary where they have burnt-in stuffed olives. Yeah, good night, nice. Um, Buffalo is advertising their new stadium. It clearly looks awesome. Their team is obviously making a ton of money with being successful um, and, you know, continuously being entertaining. That brings in fans. That brings in money when you're good. Welcome to Kansas City. That's why we see the the uptick in attention and maybe not just your average fan. Um but more people are getting involved with the Chiefs because it's it's fun to watch. It's entertaining. You'll spend money to watch it because it's a good product, which is why Buffalo is getting a new stadium. Well, Kansas City, three things of concern here. One is, is Buffalo going to actually be able to play in a game where snow is going to fall? I'm being sarcastic, kind of. Remember, they moved to Detroit because whatever. The way they planned it was just absolutely terrible, and it was it was not done correctly, and and they just it was just a whole mess, right? Um, and I think that when you look at Buffalo doing this, and you look at the situation that is upcoming for your area in the Truman Sports Complex, Patrick Mahomes is going to build a new stadium for your Kansas City Chiefs, whether you believe it or not, it's happening, and. It was interesting because we were going downtown yesterday. I was with my stepfather. It was his birthday. We celebrated his his day yesterday. And when I looked over to the left, we're we're passing the Truman Sports Complex. I said, "Well, make sure you, you know, make sure you look at that stadium because it's getting bulldozed soon." And I was talking about, you know, I was talking about Kauffman Stadium. And he was like, "Well, what do you think happens when they if they actually tear it down?" I said, "Well, I don't know for a fact that they're going to tear it down." But I know something else is probably going to fill that void, whether it's a casino, whether it's a hotel, whether it's a village. But as soon as the Royals move, and they are moving, Clark Hunt will make that whole place Walt Disney World for football. That stadium that the Royals play in will not be there. That stadium that the Chiefs play in 
will not be there. It will be replaced by something much, much bigger and much, much nicer. I promise you. Again, I have no inside source on this, but I just know that if you think that this is the only stadium that Patrick Mahomes is going to play in as a member of the Chiefs, you are wrong. When teams get good, and I mean really good, they seem to always get a new facility. Lucas Oil was built after many, many successful years with Peyton Manning. Buffalo is getting a new stadium. Probably never really even thought about it. Probably didn't even expedite the process. Then the Buffalo Bills got good. And yes, the Chiefs own that team for and have for quite some time, but the Bills are still good. And they're getting a new stadium. It's passed. It's going to be built. And I do believe the Kansas City Chiefs will get a new stadium. I think there is going to be a lot of similarities to what you're seeing from SoFi Stadium and Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. I think that's kind of where it'll be built. One of these new infrastructures that are over the top. Screams money. You're afraid to sit down to break something. It's so nice. Closed with the option to be opened. Retractable field. And I get it. The retractable roof thing is is for the for the ones that truly remember back in the day. But I think that there is 100% the possibility of a brand new chief stadium being built. You think the Buffalo bills are the only ones that are going to be doing it because their team's gotten better. You're wrong. I wouldn't even be surprised if Cincinnati got a new stadium. How old is that sucker? And I know there's a lot of people that have the theory that they're going to take this stadium and move it somewhere else on the Kansas side. No, no, no. Once they have control of that entire parking lot, it is in fact the hunts property until the end of time. And when that is, in fact, their area, they're going to put their nice, shiny piece of property there for everyone to see with hotels and a casino and an area and places to to sip away your pain if gambling does become legal in Missouri and you can live bet during those events. Because concert venues can be played at a hotel, can also be played at a stadium. Indoor, outdoor, seasons change. In the Midwest, you get four of them. Money can be made in very, very many ways when building a new stadium. And when other teams are doing it, like the Bills, you can guarantee the Chiefs are right around the corner. Speaking of right around the corner, the LIV, it sucks for sure. It's terrible. Is it worse than the XFL? I think they're both on the same plane as this. As These are two leagues that are trying to be tryhards that are just not working because they're led, well, by... Not much. We're going to drop it like this. Yeah. Final segment of the second o'clock, second hour in the seven o'clock hour. Really need North Carolina to hold on to this lead. They're up 64 to 60 against Florida State at Florida State. Now they're up by six. 66, 60. Little three-team parlay. North Carolina money line. Baylor money line. Iowa State minus four and a half. 
That might have been some of the worst defense I've ever seen. Somebody says, Dusty, this is from the 660. I've been telling my friends that when Coffin Stadium goes down because of the new ownership, the Hunts will own the complex and will build an extreme money-gathering area on the Truman Complex. The only thing is that failed in the past was I think they intended on the city building east, not to the west, where all the, well, yeah, we'll stop there. Agree to disagree. I think it's easier for the Chiefs to build than the Royals to build. Right? I think if the Chiefs were like, yeah, we want a new stadium, you know, this will bring in, you know, revenue. Teams will come here. We have hotels now. We could possibly get a Super Bowl with an enclosed. Yeah, there's a chance we'll play in that Super Bowl. Could you imagine the NFL would burn itself down if the Kansas City Chiefs built an enclosed stadium and could host a Super Bowl and they actually got there? They loved it when Brady got it. They loved it when Tampa got to play in Tampa and never said anything. Oh, there's nothing weird about it. Then Mahomes goes to like five consecutive AFC championship games, all five of them at home. And they're like, you know, what's kind of an interesting thought. We just kind of, you know, change the uh, place of where we play in championship games. We're going to Mahomes proof the league. That's fair. But you got to think something's going to change. Uh, golf. We put this in the last segment of an hour because we know that not a lot of everybody is super into it. LIV had a chance to kind of give itself a plat, excuse me, a platform. That platform just happened to be the CW, if you wanted to watch it. Some of you might have thought it was interesting. The whole team, the names, we're the fire blasters. We're the gnarly guys, whatever their team names were. John, John Ourand of SBJ on Twitter says, oof, never good to see a tweet start out like that. 0.2 overnight rating for LIV golf in the 26 metered markets that carried it on the CW. That's not good. You can drive with a BAC of that. I think. And for context, another CW program, World's Funniest Animals, this from Joe Bell, outdrew LIV golf. World's Funniest Animals on the same network drew more interest than these has-been blowhards that represent the LIV. Again, you know what the LIV is. You know where its support system comes from, so you can understand why I might not like this league. And I understand that everybody is entitled to their position and to their opinion and that money is a powerful thing. I get it. It's hard to say no to $150 million. I'll never be offered that to make a decision from Saudi Arabia, so I feel free and comfortable to say that I don't need to worry about that. But the LIV and its golf organization has two prominent names on their board, Cameron Smith and Dustin Johnson. Brooks Kepka, 
Bryson DeChambeau, Charles Howell, even though he won the individual award, Sergio Garcia, Patrick Reed, and all these other clowns aren't relevant. There's a reason why they took money to go play in this league. This is it for them. They're not going to make money on the LIV or on the PGA Tour. They might. They might make some cuts. Their world rankings weren't showing that they were doing all right. And I'm all for them to be able to play in majors. I don't mind that at all. I think it's fine. The reason why I like it is because I think it will be laughable to see where they finish when they play against these guys that play against the rest. It's kind of like the analogy I used during the Super Bowl. Yes, Philadelphia is a good team. The toughest quarterback they went up against was Trevor Lawrence. That was like the fifth toughest quarterback the Chiefs faced, and it showed. Philadelphia's defense went from the best to the worst in one game. They went from allowing like 4.8 yards a game to 6.4 when they played the Chiefs, who played against teams like Cincinnati, Buffalo, Jacksonville, Chargers, good teams consistently. And these LIV guys like Phil, Sergio, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, Cameron Smith, who I still think does have, he does have some hog flexes left in his game. He is a major winner from last year. But it's funny how they think their product is working and it's not. And they're really trying to push this team concept, this four-man team concept, which they have to do because they're the only organization that does it with golf. It's the only thing that's really different other than the small things of the game. Money is a lot higher over there, but the PGA has now changed it. And oh, by the way, the LIV guys, they're starting to get this little thing that they call a contract that they didn't know they had to do, like show up to every event, tweet more about it, pump up the league that's supported by Saudi Arabian money, and really let everyone know that they've gone full Hogan NWO. And losing to the PGA Tour in the ratings battle is one thing, but failing to world's funniest animals is a different generational type of thing to see. In fact, on this website, it says a clip show of funny animal moments should be beatable for a sports league with its first event presenting a $4 million prize. But to be fair, however, the newest episode of World's Funniest Animals did have a happy, loopy-licking, spooky swine, happy horse, curious cats, cool canines, and a dog whose special gift for the mail delivery driver. You just can't pass that up on a Saturday night. And by the way, what you're thinking is exactly the video that went viral where the woman was at work and she got her dog a shark costume, but she couldn't show the dog, and she wanted the dog's birthday to be a surprise. More people watch that sad stuff than they watch the even more sad stuff, which is the LIV golfers. But now they've got their field. Now they've got their numbers. They think they're good to go. It ain't going to last. Neither is the XFL. Somebody says for the 913, never say never, Dusty. I'm pretty sure I'm never going to get offered $150 million. 
I promise you that. And if I do, it won't be from Saudi Arabian government. But I don't know what lasts longer after watching the XFL. What a sad sport. It's just not happening. It's not going to work. It's not going to be there. And nobody cares. I talked about it Sunday, how A.J. McCarron said he chose to go to the XFL because this way his son can watch him play football. That's not only sad, but not true. He said, my kid loves watching YouTube videos of me playing football. I left being a backup to come here to take less money so he could watch me play football. No, you're not a backup in the NFL because nobody wants you as a backup in the NFL. The XFL is sad. It's not a good product, and neither is the LIV. Get both of them the hell out of here. They played, a ba- they played a football game at a baseball stadium in Vegas. Last I checked, UNLV was down the road. Couldn't call somebody from that university? Hey, how's it going? It's The Rock. You know, the guy that asked you if you could smell what I was cooking. Think I could give you like a, you know, $10,000 check and you let us play at your stadium this weekend? There's only going to be like 4,000 people there. We won't mess it up. Couldn't do it. Paxton Lynch benched. A.J. McCarron, starter by faith. I'll pass. Coming up on the other side, we'll ask the random question at 8 o'clock. The 8 o'clock question on After Hours Plus. We'll revisit a few topics that got a little bit of traction, including one that I think a lot of you liked, which was, in fact, well, to be honest with you, baseball and its rules changing. Don't knock baseball. But first, when we come back, Carrington Harrison had a very interesting topic today on Twitter about one Legereus Sneed. Let's spice up the night with the last hour left here on After Hours on 610 Sports Radio.